So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews 11. I'm going to start um, with just a verse from James, actually. But uh, in the book of James, it warns against a faith that will not save you. And this faith is no more than a bare belief that James outlines. And in fact, it's a faith that the devil and his demons have. James 2.19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Well, living faith is active, and if it isn't, it's useless. You know, the demons knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and they knew that he died on the cross. And they knew there was a resurrection. So if you know this much, it's not evidence that we are Christians. Uh, Having a knowledge of God and a belief is not enough. The commentator says, if your faith is the same as the devil, don't be surprised if your future is with him. Uh, Stern words they are. So faith is not works, but what is it? Um, Often we hear as evangelicals that... um, you know, we're saved by faith and not works. But so often we think of our faith as being not works. So, well, what is it exactly? Well, Hebrews 11 looks at examples of authentic faith and how people responded in faith to the work of God in their lives. This is a, a topical sermon, really. So I'm going to preach on a few other passages as well as Hebrews 11. But I think really what I'm trying to answer is, what is living faith? Um, We saw last Sunday evening about um, faith being trust and obedience and um, faith that you need to become a Christian. And I'm going to touch on that as well. But also, going on from that, what is living faith that is just not, not works? How does it, you know, how do we interact with it? How, How does it apply to us, what the Bible says about faith? in the way that it applied to those in Hebrews 11. So firstly, faith is a supernatural conviction of the heart. Faith is a supernatural conviction of the heart. The context at this point in Hebrews is the supremacy of Christ over the old covenant. Christ is an eternal high priest, and he offers a perfect sacrifice of himself. So there's no more need for repetitive animal sacrifice. He atones and deals with sin once and for all. That's in Hebrews 10, verse 10. It's a once and for all sacrifice. And he makes the worshipper perfect, Hebrews 10, verse 1. And the worshipper wasn't made perfect in the Old Covenant because they had to keep coming back to the temple. Uh, Even the high priest had to make sacrifice for sin when he went into the temple. Um, a couple of times a year. So under the old covenant law, they were never made perfect. And Hebrews 9.14 tells us that he cleanses the conscience. He removes guilt from the repentant sinner. You know, who wouldn't want that? You know, when you've sinned and you have um, done things that you just think there's no way back from, and you think that people are going to condemn you, which they probably would, well, you know, Christ is able to cleanse the conscience because he's a perfect 
sacrifice. He, re- he removes guilt, whereas that was never possible under the old covenant. So the new covenant is, is in every way superior to the old. So now the Christian who comes to Christ is made whole and is free to live for God because they can live with full assurance of forgiveness. They don't have to worry that their sacrifice wasn't perfect. <clears throat> They're forgiven on the basis of Christ's work. So that's the context of the passage and some of the benefits of a living faith. But how do you get into that position of having a living faith? Well, we believe that when you repent and believe in faith, then you become a Christian. That is the response of somebody who becomes a believer. Repentance and faith. Repentance is a heartfelt turning from rebellion towards God. So it's turning away from your rebellion and turning towards God. And God then cleanses the conscience when we're genuinely sorry towards him. You know, when you say that I know better than God and I'm going to live life my way and have wronged others, that applies to somebody who's not a Christian, but it also applies to the believer as well. We say that. We, are, we still rebel against God because we're not perfect. And we say, well, I'm, I want to live life my way. I want to do this. Even though it's not always right. It's not God's way. So repentance is turning away from our rebellion, leaving it behind and turning back to God. And this is a godly grief. It isn't just feeling sorry for yourself. Second Corinthians says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Worldly grief is just feeling sorry for yourself, is remorse, regret. A godly grief is a heartfelt um, turning away. It's a heartfelt (laughs) being devastated at your sin and, and your rebellion against God. Being devastated that you have offended the one who loves you and gave himself for you. That's repentance. It's a genuine heartfelt response to God. Not just regret that things didn't go well for you, then you feel sorry about it. It's godly grief. It's a heartfelt response to God. The other response is faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In fact, the King James Version says that it's the substance of things hoped for. It is a solid reality. So faith is a conviction that operates on the will and the character you know, we, we believe when we're convicted of the reality of God that we shape our lives around this faith. So faith is a conviction, an inner conviction in an unseen reality that we shape our lives around. To illustrate it, Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God. Something that is seen around us was made by something that is unseen. So God created the world and everything that we see around us is tangible. It's fixed. We can touch it and smell it and feel it and, and see it. But it was made by something that's unseen by the word of God. Yet it's real. It's reality. It's solid. Even though it's made by something that we can't see, we believe by faith that God made this by the word of God. 
by the unseen. So faith is a conviction that the word of God is true. And we live our lives around it. It is a conviction uh, in the things that are unseen. The reality, the solid reality of it. The substance of things hoped for. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says that faith is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Therefore faith It's not a natural thing. It's not self-generated. It's quite true to say that faith is a supernatural thing because it's of God. Therefore, I'm sort of progressing to a definition of it. And faith is a supernatural conviction that the word of God is true and we shape our lives around it. So as I go through these few verses in Hebrews, I'm trying to build a, a, a definition and I'm adding to it as I go along. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that without faith it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. The faith is believing that God is the God who really is God. It is believing in the reality of God. We believe in God who is incarnate in Jesus Christ and manifest in the Holy Spirit. We must believe that he exists Or else it's impossible to please him. Therefore faith is a supernatural conviction that the God of the Bible is true. And the second part of Hebrews 11, 6 says, We believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God, you know, we believe that a repentant sinner then will find God. So God will respond when we seek him. God will by no means cast him out. When we come before God, he will not not turn us away. He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. All, All day long I've stretched out my arms to rebellious and obstinate people. Well, come to God. Come to him. Because he will not cast you out. He rewards those who diligently seek him. He will be found by you. Faith, faith believes that God is findable, for want of a better word. Faith believes that when we seek him with all our heart, then we'll find him. Repent then and turn back to God that your sins may be blotted out and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I love that verse. He rewards those who diligently seek him with times of refreshing as we come to him with true sorrow and repentance, then it refreshes us with the presence of the Lord. What a wonderful verse, that refreshing may come to us in the presence of the Lord. Therefore, I'm moving towards this definition then, that faith is a supernatural conviction that the death and resurrection of Christ is true, and that through repentance and faith our sins are forgiven. It's a conviction in our hearts that the gospel is true and that times of refreshing will come and that we can be forgiven. So therefore Hebrews said that there's no need to drag a guilty conscience around with us. There's no need to um, remain in guilt of things, things not done and things said that shouldn't have been said. All that can be dealt with at the cross. The removal of guilt and a clean conscience. 
whatever it is, Christ has dealt with it perfectly at the cross. And through faith, it's removed from us. What a wonderful thing. Our sins were nailed to the cross with Christ. Uh, They're gone. They've been taken from us because Christ bore them for us. Our sins are removed from us. And then we can be perfectly holy in God's sight and draw near to him. So Hebrews then 11 goes on to look at the expression of that living faith. Um, We've been convicted in our hearts of the reality of the gospel once we didn't believe, but now we believe. And God has put that repentance and faith in us. Faith is a gift. We didn't generate it ourselves. He's put it in our hearts. And from there, that genuine faith leads to action. So my second point is authentic faith is always active. Authentic faith is always active. Faith is more than just a bare belief, because even the demons believe. (laughs) Authentic faith is active. So faith understands. Hebrews 11 verse 3 talks about opening understanding. Uh, Psalm 119 says more wisdom comes to us. As we meditate on God's word in faith, God imparts wisdom. Faith offers it will lead us to great sacrifices, to deny the self, to to lay down our lives for others, to do the hard things. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11, faith builds. Noah was warned about things not seen, but he built an ark. To save his family. He acted on the promises of God. Faith is active. Faith obeys. Abraham called and obeyed when he didn't know what, where he was going. He was called out of Ur. And obeyed to the promised land. He didn't know where it was. He was obedient into the unknown. Faith longs for a better country. A heavenly country. So Faith is a, a forward looking grace. Not backward looking, it anticipates the glory yet to be. It anticipates the wonder of heaven and what God has in store for us. It's forward looking. Faith blesses. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. It anticipates the blessing to be brought in their lives. Um, Faith prays for others. We pray for one another, believing that God will answer prayer. We pray for encouragement for one another. Uh, We pray that one another is going to be brought on in our relationship in God. And he's going to enjoy God and grow more like him. Faith blesses and faith prays. Um, Faith worships. Jacob blessed each of Joseph's sons and then he worshipped as he leaned on his staff. Because that's the way he'd always lived. He lived a worshipping life. So faith worships. The faith works out in all these active ways. Authentic living faith does this. How do we get to being like these heroes of faith then? We're saved because God convicts us in our heart of the truth of the gospel and of of his death and resurrection and prompts us to be active. But how do we go beyond that then? What does living faith look like? Well, thirdly, faith is a living bond with God. Faith is a living bond with God. Uh, Colossians 2 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith 
in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. If we've become genuine Christians, then our faith unites us to Christ. We are connected to Christ by faith. It comes with this bond. And because of this union with Christ, his death is applied to us and his resurrection is applied to us. So Romans can say that we have died with Christ and been raised with him. In, in some ways, some commentators say that we have been united with Christ since the foundation of the earth. Because in him we were elect, Ephesians 2, before the foundation of the earth. So in a way, that we have been connected with God, not just since we became a Christian, but beforehand, since the foundation of the earth. So our union with God is this inseparable connection with God. Because of him, we, we are in Christ Jesus This bond or union comes through faith and it comes as God um, dwells in us. No one born of God, says John in 1 John 3, keeps on sinning because God's seed abides in him. When we're born again, we receive a new nature and a new seed enters into us. Another translation for this is a new life enters into us. The essence of his righteous character dwells in us. We've been made alive together with Christ. So the life of God enters into us. That Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. When we become Christians then we enter into this union with Christ. And it's a living union. An ongoing living union. We've been made alive and he dwells in us. J.C. Ryle said A believer's religion does not consist in mere intellectual assent to doctrines and propositions. It consists in union, communion, and fellowship with a living person, even Jesus, the Son of God. We have this living fellowship with Christ. That's what our religion consists of, this union with him. Union with Christ is one of the most important doctrines in the bible because from it all things um, come our justification for example and our life with god it all comes from our union with him our bond our connection with him and it's an inseparable connection or fourthly faith is a nourishing bond faith is a nourishing bond again what does living faith look like then but from romans 11 It's like a branch being grafted into a tree. The context of Romans 11 is that God's work continues to flow through Abraham and the Jews, even though the Gentiles at this time have started to come into the kingdom. Christians are pictured as branches, and Christ is the root of the tree. Christ provides all the the nourishment and spiritual life uh, to us, the branches. Some of the branches got broken off, the Jews, and us, the Gentiles, got uh, grafted in. And we share in this nourishing spiritual life from the root. Some branches are broken off because of unbelief, but you who are grafted in, you stand by faith. Romans 11.20 Faith is the way in which we are grafted into God's tree and then into the root of Christ, and then through that union with him, 
we're nourished, we receive spiritual life. And it's a living relationship. So the Christian life is, is more than just being saved by not works or bad belief. It's a living relationship with a living God who is in us and who we're connected to. And who nourishes us daily. He is nourishing us as we are um, grafted into him. As we are connected into him like branches into a tree. It's a living faith that we have. A genuine bond with him. The source of, he is the source of our life. There's no point living without Christ because all life comes from him. When we look at our lives... When I look at my life, I think of all the things that I have and it's all through Christ and all the strength I have and any good I might possibly do is all through my relationship, all through my union with Christ. Nothing good comes of me, but everything comes from him who is nourishing me. So living faith is a faith that has a genuine bond with Christ, the branches with the vine. It's not just a one-off belief. Uh, Christianity is not just a one-off commitment at a conference or a time. It is a living relationship. This is genuine, living faith. Not something we did once a long time ago. But it's ongoing, ongoing repentance and ongoing trust and dependence in God. This brings me to number five. Faith involves the whole person. This reliance and dependence can be seen in our relationship in the, with Christ. It's a whole person relationship, a bit like marriage is. The bride is pictured, the church and Christ is like being pictured like a bride and joined to the bridegroom. The relationship with Christ and the church is like marriage, where the two become one. Martin Luther says, faith unites the soul with Christ as a bride is united to the bridegroom. The soul becomes one flesh. You know, if, if one flesh and a true marriage, then it follows that everything that husband and wife has, they hold in common, both good and bad. They encourage each other, and they also drag each other down sometimes with uh, you know, bad habits, for example. But faith is like marriage because it involves the whole person. The believing soul can can boast of this, that there is this whole person union with Christ. Whatever Christ has, the soul claims as his own because of this union. How marriage changes you depends on the person that you marry. Um, if you marry somebody very encouraging, then you, you, know, you become more encouraged and so on. And because we're united with him through faith, then we change because Christ is full of strength and life and is, is our everything and we change because we're of this unity with him. It shapes our Christian lives. Therefore, we are to recognize that we have this union with him, this living relationship and that true faith and Christianity, living faith, is about this relationship with him. Well, finally, it's, my sixth point, faith loves. What is living faith? Well, faith loves. Because he first loved us, uh, we love him. Because faith unites us with Christ and he embraces us, you know, he, he loves us. 
then our response is love towards him. Absolute love. When we think about what Christ has done for us, then we respond in love because we're in this living bond, this close union with him where we depend on him for everything. And we respond by loving him. Or we ought to. It's actually interesting. Where you'd expect the Bible to say faith, it says the word love. Uh, Romans says all things work together for good for them that love God, not trust God. You'd think it would be belief or trust, but the Bible says love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 says the things that God has prepared for those who love him, not believe or trust him. Uh, 2 Timothy, a crown of righteousness that Christ will give me on the last day to those who love him or long for his appearing this union generates a response of love towards him james 1 verse 12 says the crown of life promised to those that love him not to those who believe in him and 1 john says he that loves not knows not god because god is love If you love God, then you know him because God is love. If you don't, then you don't know him. If you're not filled with his love, then you're not his. Because God is love. So faith loves. The commentator says that it reminds you that those who trust Christ love Christ. Because faith is a loving union. It's not a bare belief. Remember, the demons have the bare belief and shudder. But faith is a living union with him. Who, because we love him and we trust him. And if you have this love for him, if you have this living union, <coughs> excuse me, if you have this living union with him, you'll be expressed in love for God and love for each other. If there's no love, then there's no faith. You can't say you've faith if there's no love. To know that it's genuine, Peter says, though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him and are filled with an inexpressible joy. It's the evidence that faith is the real thing. I remember going to this Bible study in a church long ago. And uh, somebody just didn't want to do the Bible study. They just wanted to chat and drink tea. And I was a bit taken back by that. Because I thought, I'm not perfect. But, you know, I love God. And I want to be encouraged by spending time with him in study, in this Bible study, because I love him. That is our response to him. Faith is a loving union with Christ, not just bare belief. In conclusion, authentic faith that enabled these heroes of faith in Hebrews 11 to do all the great things that they did is not just bare belief. It is a living, loving union with Christ. It's active where we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, where we're nourished with our bond with him. And it involves our whole person. We don't leave bits of us out. It's a whole person loving bond with Christ. This is living faith. This is the Christian life going forward from conversion. Not just bare belief, but a living union with him, with Christ. Amen.